Hey y'all, what is going on? What is going on? It's your girl, Melba Pearson, Melba for Miami, Melba for Justice, the resident legal diva. And it is time for another Mondays with Melba. So this is the final Monday of March, which has been Women's History Month. All this month, I've been featuring various black female candidates for elected office, for the office of judge. Um, we've covered some amazing women who I've practiced with, who I've known forever, and just really wanted to make sure that all of you got the chance to meet them, just so that number one, you can make informed decisions at the ballot box this August. Number two, that you can share the information because there's power in the knowledge. And number three, it's another way to really connect the fact that our local judges can be the pipeline to the Supreme Court. Like we're all here like cheering for Judge Kentaji Brown Jackson to be our next Supreme Court justice, but everybody starts somewhere, right? It starts either in public service or it starts on the local bench and you work your way up. And before I get into today's guest, who is amazing, you know, I definitely want to give a very quick recap of the hearing. So I know many folks were watching it and I was a lot of folks were sending me some messages like, what is going on? Like, why are they doing what they're doing? So I have an op-ed in the hopper for Miami Times on this. So I'm definitely going to share with everyone. But the key thing is here that the senators were acting like they don't understand how the Constitution works, right? Just because you represent somebody who may have really terrible views or may have done something terrible doesn't mean you co-sign it. <laughs> it just means you represented them as what is required by the United States Constitution. Like if you get jammed up for something, you get arrested for a crime, you're going to kind of want a defense attorney to fight to, to, to help clear your name so that you can move on about, about your life. That is what she did as a public defender. And unfortunately, the Republican senators were trying to twist that against her, which is really disingenuous because again, the Constitution requires adversarial system. You've got the prosecutor who has to prove that you are the person that committed the crime beyond a reasonable doubt. And you have the defense attorney, whether it be a public defender, a private attorney, if you can afford one, who says, no state, prove your case, prove that this person did it. And that is very critical for what a functioning democracy has in place when it comes to criminal justice. So just gotta give that context. And now with no further ado, I get to get into an amazing discussion with Judge Shaka Ihekwaba. Thank you so much for joining me today, sis. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. I'm really glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself. You've got a very fascinating background <laughs> and we all used to tease her. We were prosecutors together and we always used to call her Mother Africa. And there's a reason for that. So <laughs> go for it, Shaka. Share a little bit about your history and how you got to this point. Okay, right. So um, as um, she said, my name is Chaka Ihepoba. And um, as you can, I'm sure, guess from the name, that name is of Nigerian origin. So um, I am of Nigerian origin. And um, I just moved to the United States about 25 and a half years ago. So prior to my being um, in the UK, um, prior to my coming to the United States, I was in the UK. And prior to that, I was in Nigeria. 
Okay. So I did, even though I was not born in Nigeria, I was taken there as a little child and I did most of my education in Nigeria, at least my um, original education. I went to high school there. I went to college there and I actually went to Nigerian law school. I became a Nigerian attorney and I worked in Nigeria for a couple of years. And then I left Nigeria. I went to England and I also went back to school. Um, I went to get a master's degree, which I got in law. And after that, I also worked in London um, for a few years too. And one of my last jobs was working for the Crown Prosecution Service, which is the exact um, equivalent of the state attorney's office. So I did that. And then I got married and my husband and I, we moved to America and moved to Miami. And I got here and I was told, oh, you need to go back to law school if you ever want to work as an American attorney. So, so you can imagine, I know, I was kind of disappointed because I had been to law school before in Nigeria. I had been, I'd done a master's degree in law in England and I thought, hey, that should be fine, but it doesn't work that way. But, you know, I went back to law school. I went to St. Thomas University School of Law here in Miami and, um, I did get some kind of a reprieve because I did law school in only two years. And then once I graduated, I knew from the get-go that I wanted to be a prosecutor. So I immediately joined the uh, Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office, which is where we work together. And I was there for like close to 20 years before I was appointed to the bench. So that is my history um, you know, prior to the bench. So what made you want to be a judge? What made you want to go through that whole process of seeking the appointment and putting yourself out there in order to get this position? Um, okay, well, uh, you know, as as a prosecutor, I had really done, um, you know, a lot of cases. Um, I felt, you know, that I had really represented the citizens um, of our community, the Miami-Dade County. And I, I, I mean, public service is my passion. And I wanted to remain in public service, but you know, I wanted to try it in another capacity. And I thought, I mean, as an attorney who has done so much of time as a prosecutor, what other capacity could I, you know, avail myself of? And I just felt that it was kind of a natural progression because I had watched um, you know, the system so much. And I felt, um, you know, I would be in a good position now to use the knowledge that I had as a prosecutor, combined with all the other knowledge and experience that I had attained. And I would be good to continue my public service life as a judge. And besides, I had a lot of friends um, that what some were already judges, others that were not, but they all encouraged me and felt that I would be good at it. And so I decided to put in for it. And, you know, I was appointed. And so tell us about the journey. You've been on the bench about a year now. What kinds of cases are you hearing? Where are you based? And okay. what what was the, what has the experience been like for you? Okay, so um, right now I am a county court judge assigned to the civil division. I am based in um, the North Dade Justice Center, which is, you know, um, out North Miami, North Miami Beach. Um, and as a civil judge, I do, um, 
you know, all kinds of cases that involve money, no longer prosecution, um, no longer criminal, now civil, it's more of money. So I handle um, contract and indebtedness cases. I handle um, landlords and tenant cases. I handle personal injury protection cases. Um, you know, these are some of the bulk kind of cases um, that we deal with. But really, um, we handle anything um, within our jurisdictional amount. So we um, deal with cases um, that our jurisdiction is $30,000. So anything really, you know, breach of contract, small claims, we do all these small claim um, cases as well. So if, you know, your friendly neighbor wants to sue their next door neighbor, it's our courts that they will come to. Um, so Michael, so I have a lot of those kind of cases, um, as well as anybody suing um, anybody else for something under, um, you know, 30,000 and below, I should say. And so um, have you been seeing uh, some changes around COVID? So for instance, are you seeing a lot of landlord tenant cases kind of coming in with people being like, listen, you know, because of COVID, I haven't been able to work. I can't pay my rent. Are you seeing any of those cases or? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, first of all, I was appointed during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I call myself a pandemic judge. And when I say that, people say, what do you mean? When I became a judge, there were no live hearings. All we had was Zoom. And at that time, there was an explosion of landlords and tenant cases, because as you can imagine, many people lost their jobs. A lot of jobs closed down. So lots of people lost their jobs. And you know, once you lose your job, it has a domino effect. You lose your job, so you're not getting any money. And one of the first things you can't pay is your rent. And so you can't pay your rent. And then the landlord who owns the house is like, oh, no, I need the rent paid. And so the landlord is trying to get rent. The tenant is like, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have any money. It's not like I can leave and go somewhere else. And there was then the moratorium. So, I mean, with that, there was so much, um, you know, need. There were so many people. And when you asked, um, how was the journey for me? Remember, as a prosecutor, I was used to helping victims. I was used to bringing, you know, justice and making sure our victims, you know, the ones that are still here can try and at least somewhat feel whole. And then you now come to the landlord and tenant and you hear all these people with all these problems and all these complaints. And you're kind of helpless because there's not much that you can do. The moratorium helped in that initially nobody was required. There was a moratorium and so people were not required to pay rent. But remember, that had an end date. And then the end date still meant you were still supposed to pay rent. It was just kind of a layaway plan. Okay, you could stay there without paying your rent. But at the end of it all, you still had to pay and oh my goodness. So yes, we had an explosion of cases and, you know, it's, it, that was very challenging and difficult. Um, but if you just follow the law and just explain, you know, to the people what the law is, um, a, a good number of people do understand that there's not much you can do. That's, there's not much I can do as a judge if I follow the law, I just have to follow the law and, you know, the chips come down where they may.
Yeah. Yeah. And are there, have you been able to at least connect people with resources? Like if there's, you know, like, listen, I can't help you, but maybe these people over here can like. Right. Right. We have a list of resources um, that we have and that we give out um, to people. Um, you know, we tell them, I mean, there's not much we can do, but the 11th Judicial Circuit did provide some resources. We have some, you know, addresses of certain organizations. Then a lot of people that come and we ask them, you know, especially when the ERAP program was, um, you know, helping out. We ask them, have you been to ERAP? Our Florida, have you gotten in touch with our Florida? You know, your local church, your local organization. And then some people, you know, that really are in need of legal assistance, you know, we refer them to like, we tell them to go to legal aid and see if they can get help there. So we try to do our best and help as much as we can. Um, but, you know, being a judge, you can't really advocate for either side. So you can just point them to these resources and just hope that, you know, they avail themselves of the resources. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of pivoting to your life off the bench, um, what organizations are you involved with? What sorts of causes do you uh, volunteer towards when you're not at work or with your family? <laughs> uh, right. So um, I, you know, uh, as a judge, you find that there are quite a number of organizations um, that you can join. So you have to make sure you don't like spread yourself too thin. Um, but even before I became a judge, I was a member of the Gwen Cherry Black Women Lawyers Association. <laughs> um, I was also a member of Wilkie D. Ferguson Junior Bar Association. Um, I'm a member of the Miami-Dade um, Florida Association of Women Lawyers, the fall. Um, I'm a member of the National Association of Women Judges, NAWJ. I'm a member of CABA, which is the Cuban American Bar Association. I'm a member of the Miami-Dade Bar, the DCBA. Um, you know, so those are some of the organizations that, you know, I am um, a member of. And I just, um, when it comes to things that I like to do and organizations that I like to give my time to, um, I, I like to partake in organizations and activities that involve children. Um, I have five kids of my own, so that, not, I mean. Not right there. <laughs> Five kids. She got five. Yes. <laughs> five kids of my own. So the issue of kids has really been near and dear to my heart. And um, up until not too long ago, I used to be um, a Girl Scout mother. So, you know, I, I was just telling somebody the other day, I kind of miss the cookie selling time. You know, <laughs> I used to love to sell cookies, uh, be outside Publix and, you know, sell Girl Scout cookies. Um, At the state attorney's office, we used to be be like, okay, it's that time. And you exactly. paper on our desk and we're like, yep, exactly. yep, for the babies, for the babies. <laughs> yes, and everybody was so supportive of me back then. So, I mean, anything that involves children, um, any organization, you just have to let me know. And, um, you know, I'm there. That's what I say. I, 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 you know, try to do a lot of mentoring now for um, young people as well. Um, I'm also an adjunct faculty member at the University of Miami School of Law. So, you know, um, I'm teaching trial skills. So anything where, you know, it involves young people or kids, I am there. 
Awesome. Awesome. Love it. So um, can you share with everyone your website for folks to learn more about you and donate? I'm, and I'm going to say my piece on that because judges in Florida are not allowed to directly ask for donations. Right. I can, and <laughs> right. Yes. I do have a, a website, um, www.keepjudgeihequaba.com. And um, if you go there, you know, you can learn a lot about me and about the campaign. Um, you know, I also try um, to be, you know, on social media as much as I can. It's kind of difficult because there's a lot of work and, you know, a lot of things to do. But whenever I can, I try to highlight, you know, social media. But the, my website is keepjudgeihequaba.com. So, yes, you can go there and learn more about me. Yeah, for everybody who is watching on Facebook, I'm going to drop the link in the comments. Um, same for folks that are watching the replay on YouTube or on LinkedIn. I'll do it that way. Twitter, I'm going to retweet her handle as well as give the link to the website. And uh, on Instagram, just know that I'm going to also have it in the comments as well and tag her pages. So that way y'all have no excuse. You can check out her website, learn more about her. Um, and the website one more time, because Chris is asking. <laughs> okay. www.keepjudgeihequaba, I-H-E-K-W-A-B for boy, A.com. That's the website. I know my name is a mouthful, but I tell people, you know, try and pronounce it and you'll get used to it. And other people, I say, you know what? When you just see the name you can't pronounce, then no, that's me. Right. <laughs> Listen, folks are going to have to say Tchaikovsky and whoever else. So you know what? They can get used to Judge E. Hekwaba. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes. But for folks out there, you know, I definitely I, I've been ending every broadcast around talking about the importance of number one, learning who the candidates are. Too many times folks just skip over the judges on the ballot or want to send me a private message on Facebook or something being like, girl, I'm in the ballot box. Who should I vote for? Right. And listen, I don't mind if you want to reach out with that, but I really encourage folks to do their research beforehand. You know, it is March now. You've got several months to get to know all the candidates. Definitely read up, share the information, right? Don't keep it to yourself. Share the information about our judges. And most importantly, if you can, please donate. Because listen, you heard Shaka's story. You know, she's an immigrant. She's a hardworking person. You know, as with all the judges that have come on the show this month, you know, none of them come from wealth or have this, you know, huge bank account hanging out with a million dollars that they can just drop into their campaign funds, right? And to be able to buy signs, like the yard signs, right? Like you have to buy those in bulk in order to be able to give them out to people to get your message out there. If you want those little walk cards or those little brochures that tell a little bit about the information about the judge and the, the election dates and all the key information that costs money, right? It ain't free. <laughs> you got to go to uh, shout out to Miss Lucretia in Miami gardens and her, you know, printing shop, but 
you gotta, you can't go there with your two long hands. You gotta bring her some money. So all of these things cost money, and you know that's just a part of campaigns that people don't really realize. So especially with the fact that judges can't directly ask for money, I'm making the push. I'm making the ask. So please, if you can, no amount is too small. You just have to be a resident of the U.S. The maximum amount for this race is a thousand dollars. If you can come through with a thousand, please do so. Okay, but if all you have is ten dollars, that is ten dollars more than what she had yesterday. And you know, you scrape the ten dollars together, and guess what? You got yourself a yard sign. Thirty bucks gets you a really nice yard sign. So <laughs> one, you still have to buy a bunch more. But anyway, <laughs> be that as it may. Um, so everybody, please check out the website. Donate if you can. Share the information. And definitely get to know Shaka and support her because to know her is definitely to love her. So with that, Shaka, any final words before we wrap up this Mondays with Melva? Well, I just want to say thank you very much. As you said, it's really important people know about us. And just like you said, a lot of people just do not take the time to get to know the judges. So what you're doing is really important and very helpful towards us. So I'm really grateful. Um, I would love for everybody to go to the website and check it out. And hopefully I can get my seat, keep my seat um, when the time comes. Thank you so much, Melba. Right. Thank you for coming on, Shaka. Thank you, all of you, for tuning in, either live or watching the replay. Uh, stay tuned because I'm going to have more candidates on as we start the month of April. Because, uh, again, I really want to be centered in highlighting so many interesting and diverse candidates that are coming uh, through the pipeline so that we can make some solid decisions come August for the primaries and then come November for the general. All right, y'all. Take good care and I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>